Welcome to the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Presidenzi, and as always, I'm excited that you've joined us for what will be another incredible episode this week. For our long-time listeners, thank you for showing up. We really appreciate you as we get closer to the 200. We're about to launch with our 200th episode next month. We really appreciate you. We're grateful that you show up and uh, you've inspired us to get to that magical number. And to our new listeners, if this is the first time, thank you for showing up. We hope this content resonates with you. We hope this content inspires you to be the very best sales professional you can be. Now, this week, you know, we've got somebody that's been in the enablement, in the training game for a long time, Tom Stanfield. He's the author of Unreceptive and he's the co-founder of Aslan Training and they've been around a long, long time. He's been doing this for nearly 30 years and he's going to talk a bit about his book and he's going to talk a bit about the concepts of what sellers need to do to differentiate themselves in a competitive market. So this is a great episode. We've got a very experienced person who's going to share incredible insights from their decades of experience in this space. Salespeople often hate their CRM. Why? Because they are hard to use, difficult to customize and expensive to maintain. This means leads and opportunities don't get updated, things get missed and sales can suffer. Insightly is the modern CRM that teams love, easy to use, flexible enough to support your unique needs and scales with you as you grow. This helps you sell smarter, grow faster and build lasting customer relationships. Insightly is trusted by more than a million users worldwide. For more information, visit insightly.com forward slash get insightly. But before we jump into this episode, and you will notice in the coming weeks, there's going to be a little bit of a format change with our podcast. Because we hit 200, you know, we've got to make a few changes, right? Again, we've got a couple of killer guests. Well, I wonder who we're going to have for our 200th guest. I wonder what we are going to do for the magical 200. So just keep a lookout. Now, I am excited because next week we formally launch, or this coming week we formally launch our community, which is part of the Growth Forum, growthforum.io. This is a very exciting moment because the community covers a number of different key subject areas. So we cover sales, we cover marketing, we look at that entrepreneurship journey for business owners and also professional personal development. And we've got some incredible people that are joining us because we've got live sessions every single week. They get recorded, added into past recordings, and we also have incredible courses which are going to be up there for you to do. And we've got the Scalable Growth Prospecting Program, which is epic. So jump in, check it out. As part of your access to the community, as part of your membership, you get access to all these courses. SEO course, we've got digital marketing, we've got social media, we've got copywriting, we've got personal brand and PR, and we're just going to keep jamming as much value because we have a clear objective that we're trying to achieve. We want to help you grow. We want to help you be the very best you can be. So check out in the show notes, you can use the coupon code there to get started. Check out the site. We've got a lot of incredible experts that are joining to help us achieve the mission that we're trying to achieve. So thanks so much for your support today. This interview is going to be great. It's going to help you think a little bit differently about the way you approach your sales game. And we hope this leads you just one step closer to being the very best sales professional you can be. 
Welcome to the show, Tom. Well, thank you, Luigi. Appreciate you having me on the show. It's excited. Excited to meet you, be on your show. Heard a lot about you guys. Yeah, thanks, mate. And we're really, really excited to talk about the barriers that are stopping sellers, um, especially as we see, you know, I saw some interesting data recently that approximately 24% of sales teams are hitting targets. So there's a lot of sellers Whoa. that are obviously a lot of barriers that are preventing salespeople wow. right now. So I'm keen to dive deep into this discussion. But before we, we jump into this discussion, we'd love to know a bit more about you, Tom, and, and, and how you started in this world of, of selling. Well, I, I started in selling while I was actually in college. I got married in college, had two kids before I graduated college. So I had to sell to, to eat. Uh, and actually, I've been 100% commission sales in some form or fashion since that time. I was selling uh, <laughs> phone books, advertising in phone books and all kinds of things to get through college. Uh, and then when I got out of college, I was 100% commission sales rep and really yeah. have been in that role, some form of fashion in that role um, since then. So love yeah. selling, love the opportunity to serve customers and help them solve problems and control my time, control my income. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the greatest profession. And I love it, isn't it? I love, I love it when I, I talk to somebody like yourself who's just passionate. Yeah. They love it. They love the thrill of the commission chase. You know, I've always yeah. been, been commission only for such a long time. And it's, it's such a thrill, right, to be able to acquire an opportunity and make your own money. And, yeah. and that's, you know, it's, it's the thrill of the chase. So I absolutely it's love a, that, yeah. that description. And yeah. you, you're now the co-founder. Um, you run a business that essentially helps organizations help their sales teams level up. Uh, yeah, exactly. Skill perspective. And would love to know, though, you read a book, um, Unreceptive. What was mm -hmm. motivated? What motivated you to write a book? Well, we, we learned that the genesis of the company that we started called Aslan Training was born out of this need to figure out how to get <laughs> how to be successful in the toughest environment possible, which is cold yeah. calling. Yeah. Um, I had started, so I became so successful in sales that I started a company to basically generate leads and appointments for other salespeople. And so they were companies like Hewlett Packard and uh, yeah. a lot of well-known companies were paying us to say, hey, we, our sales reps struggle to get meetings and get through the door and prospect. And you know a lot about prospect. I know that's a, something you're really passionate about and good at. Um, and so we were doing that for them and we were training our reps on a very different way to get meetings. And what we realized early on and what was working for us is realize that customers aren't rejecting a solution or a product or service, they're rejecting a mm -hmm. sales call. So the yeah. harder you try to sell, the more resistant they became. Yeah. And so this was a, so we started developing a brand new or different way to, to prospect and to sell. And we started, we basically developed our own training program. And a company, um, it was Blue Cross Blue Shield, wanted to vet our service and said, hey, before we outsource prospecting and lead gen to you, you know, we basically were an SDR, BDR outsource company. Um, let's see your training. So we like, sure. I mean, it was posters and, I mean, it was very archaic, but... Yeah. Um, and so they came and looked at our sales training program and they were like, this is amazing. Will you come train our field sales force? 
Hmm. We're like, oh, okay. We had no clue, you know, anything about the training world. But that was uh, the first clue that we were doing something different. I eventually sold that company and started a sales training firm. And this is in the 90s. Yeah. And wow. so we've been doing it ever since. And so that the, the genesis of the book was really, um, it's getting more and more, like you said at the beginning, it's getting so difficult for people to be successful. I wanted to make our unique methodology public. Um, and really, it's all about this idea that every time you make a call, either you're trying to get a meeting or you're trying to persuade people, they're either open or they're closed. Mm. Like the door is open, come on in, I want to talk to you, or the subject's open. Yes, I'd like to hear why I should change products or buy your yep. service or listen to you. And the problem is, is when someone's closed, which most people are closed now, which you're, mm. you're, I think the data is supporting that. When people are closed, the more you try to sell them, the more closed they become. Yeah. So if you sell, you lose. If you don't sell, you lose. And so the book yeah. is all about changing the way people think about converting this rapidly growing number of unreceptive prospects and customers because the traditional approach does not work. It actually backfires. Yeah, this is interesting, right? So, mm -hmm. and, and look, I've got my own hypothesis on why yeah. our buyers have become unreceptive, yeah? Mm -hmm. But we'd love to hear your view on this. Like, what's... Why What's do you the driver? think buyers are now, you know, they've got that barrier. There is, all, there is a trust gap. There's so many sales training companies. There's so many yeah. great training products. There's so many, you know, companies spend billions of dollars per annum trying to upskill their sales force. Yeah. Yet the barrier with the buyer is still, there is still a massive trust gap. Well, I think the trust gap has always existed, but the customer didn't feel like they had a choice. Okay. Right, so now with the amount of information available to the customer, I don't need you. Mac McKinsey did a study mm -hmm. recently that, that measured customers' willingness to talk to a sales rep when they're evaluating a solution. So this isn't this isn't early. This is like I'm yeah. I'm evaluating a solution, and the question is, and this is a B two B. This is a B two B question. Said if you're in a B two B world. Uh, they said, "What so what they asked, what, what percentage of customers want to talk to a seller? It has declined 120% in the last <laughs> three years. And I think a lot of that's just information. It's like, look, right. I don't need you. I don't need you to tell me what I already can find out on, on Google. And, and the amount of information we receive on a daily basis is so overwhelming, people just do not need another sales rep. I mean, think about it. when you get on LinkedIn, like I'm an owner of a company like you. Yeah. So I get hit every day by five or six people on LinkedIn who want to connect with me to sell me something. Then I got hundred and something emails. Now phones stopped, mail yeah. slowed down, but I'm, and I've got text coming in. I've got email coming in. I've got media. I mean, it's just, people are just like, I, I just can't handle it anymore. So we're not evaluating. We're, we're working. We're, we want to be in control of, of the information we get. So I think one more sales call is killing me. Yeah. And also there's a, there's a disconnect between uh, the, uh, the people are isolated. You know, people mm -hmm. don't walk into buildings anymore and people don't talk on the phone. So it's, it's, it, we yeah. have, we technology, it used to be, you had to answer your phone. No one answers their phone anymore. And it's interesting you say that, right? Because I can absolutely, mm -hmm. I absolutely concur with this, that, cause I see it. I'm on the receiving mm -hmm. end as well. I'm yeah. actually got a folder in my inbox Oh, really? Of all the emails that I receive that are just feature-focused. Yeah. They're selling, they're pitching, because they're great examples that I use in training, right, to say, right. Hey, guys, this is this is what's happening in the inbox of your buyers. How do you actually stand out? 
So let, yeah. let's talk about that. If that's a barrier right now, if the barrier mm-hmm. that sellers are actually faced with is their their prospects, their buyers are just overwhelmed with information. Right. They're now not just having that one barrier, but they're kind of resisting sellers talking to them. Yeah. What's a strategy that salespeople can use today that will re- reduce that resistance? Well, the, the easy answer is don't act like a salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and it's funny. I mean, the, the solution to the problem is very counterintuitive. Yeah. So one of the two, the first thing sellers need to do is change their mindset. And this is going to sound like, mm. okay, whatever. But this is critical. It's really critical. The first thing, and the biggest, the first barrier is the perception of you. The first yeah. receptivity barrier we have to change is their perception of us. Mm-hmm. And the the way to do that is to, is to first we need to really decide, and this is a key word: decide who is the hero of the story, because mm-hmm. our motive is ultimately transparent. If we're listening so that we can try to make a point, if we're listening so we can sell something, if we're reaching out on LinkedIn because we ultimately don't care about what they need, we're just trying to sell our product or service, that's all gonna be revealed. Our motive is Mm. ultimately transparent. So we've gotta start by making a decision to put the customers first. We really have only two options. We either are calling people to come up with the ultimate solution to their problem, or we're calling them to sell something. And when, we, yeah. when we're calling them to sell something, are we have commission breath and our breath smells. We, it, they yeah. can smell it. And so it really starts with the decision on every call to make, to decide who is first. And that sounds again, so cliche and so, but it's, it is a game changer. And so that's yeah. a basic thing that we try to remind people. But there's a very, also a very tactical thing that sellers do is we want to control and we want, try, we want to try to put pressure on the customer because we're afraid they're going to leave. Mm-hmm. And we've worked so hard to get there that we put pressure on them, whether, whether it's perceived pressure or it's actual pressure. And so one of the things that we teach in, the, uh, teach in our program or, and we talk about in the book is we have to drop the rope. There's yeah. a perceived tug of war that happens every time I'm in a conversation because my title says sales rep. And they think you want to sell something, you want to win, you want to earn a commission. And so there's this natural tendency to pull back and resist this, this pressure. Uh, and so what we teach sales reps is they need to drop the rope. They need to communicate, hey, I don't really know, especially if it's early in the process, I don't really know if what, what I sell is something you need. Yeah. You know, it's saying things like, well, you seem like you're happy with, or you're doing this. Why would you talk to us if this already works for you? Or if you're currently working with so-and-so, or maybe you don't need to spend, you know, why is yours so expensive? Well, you know, we are more expensive. We're one of, our solution costs more money. My goal today is to determine if you should even pay more. You may not need to. Yeah. And so it's, it's creating this, it's removing tension, which makes you sound like, it just makes you sound different than every other sales rep. So those are a couple of key fundamental things that actually drive everything that you do through the process. Okay, so I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I really love this, right? So the first thing we've got to do if we want to, if we want to remove or reduce that resistance, is we've got mm-hmm. to first change the way we look at our customers yeah. and our prospects. Mm-hmm. Really be transparent in the way in which we get, engage with them. Um, I love the term make the pro- you know make the customer make the prospect the absolute hero, yeah. And then reduce the tension. Just drop the rope by saying, hey, you know, 
I'm not here to sell anything because at this point I don't know if there's a need or if there's a use yeah. case for us to even be guiding this conversation mm -hmm. forward, right? So I love that. Um, talk to us about the next barrier. Like what's another key barrier sellers need to remove to make this journey easy for both the buyer and the seller? I think, I think probably the... Uh, one of the most impactful things that um, I talk about in the book is how to position a meeting, but mm. it's also how to position your solution during the meeting. So there's a yeah. model that we teach and there's, there's three elements to it. It's captivate, elevate, and separate. So it's, it's, it's sort of the three elements of, of positioning, let's just say getting a meeting. Like if you want yeah. a meeting with somebody, the first thing you need is an invitation. Yeah. Until someone says, or maybe a better way to say this, if you want to influence somebody, before you ever can influence, you, they have to extend an invitation that says, what do you think about fill in the blank? Until yeah. they actually either say it to themselves or say it to you, what do you think about what you say doesn't matter. So you've got to get an invitation. And the, one of the, the best ways to get an invitation is how you position the meeting. And so there's three elements of position meeting. The first one is you want to capture their attention by focusing on not your solution, but what's on their whiteboard. Yeah. If you lead with what's on their whiteboard, just so if you think about everybody you're going to talk to has a whiteboard, whether it's metaphorical or it actually has a whiteboard. Like I have things on my whiteboard right now. I look at it. Yeah. And there's three things I'm working on right now that are on my whiteboard. It's on the left-hand side. If you say anything that's related to those three things, I will listen to you. Yeah, it's like if I show you a picture, like I, I was playing golf in Ireland last week and the guy that was on the trip, you know, I would send out pictures that I took during the day. And the guy that was on the trip with me was next to me while he was looking at the pictures. And so what does he do? He pulls that picture up and he blows it up to see who? Me or him? He blows it up to see himself. We all yeah. do the same thing. We will look <laughs> at a picture every time if we are in the picture. They don't care yeah. about a picture of us. And so to get somebody's attention to capture their attention, you talk, you lead with what's on their whiteboard. You talk about them. Mm. Uh, and, and if somebody's thinking, well, how do I know that? Well, if you are in a certain market, you should be able to guess. Actually, I want to hone in on that, right? Because I see that information gap a yeah. lot where buyers are reaching out to a seller Mm -hmm. yet they don't know the persona. Let's talk about them in the, in the technical frame, the persona. They don't know the buying profiles, objectives. They don't know what's top of mind. And there was a study that was done by VanillaSoft and yeah. um, the actual study showed that a 2000 senior decision makers, 89% of them said, if you reach out to me, we expect you to know me, know my industry and know my problems, right? <laughs> Basic. Um, so there's the expectation. The buyers absolutely expect this today, yet so many sellers don't understand exactly what is, you know, what are the commercial conversations right. they are having with their teams, right? It's because this goes back to the first point that I was making is who's, if the customer isn't the hero of the story, you don't know anything about them. If they are the hero of the story, then you study them. I mean, if you serve a VP of manufacturing, there's five yeah. problems that all VPs of manufacturing face, and you can pick one of the five. If you, if you serve the technology space, there's five things the technology leaders all. And so if you get to know the customers and every time you meet with them, 
you ask them what do they care about, what's on their whiteboard, very quickly, you will understand, you'll start to see the same trends. Like I serve VPs of sales and I serve VPs of learning. They all yeah. say pretty much the same thing. They have the yeah. same challenges, they have the same issues, and I can pick one of those. Now, of course, the more I can make it specific to that company, the more effective it's going to be. But I, but you should know that. And by the way, if you don't know that and you're new, then talk to somebody in the organization that does, yeah. or spend spend a, a, a week calling existing customers and asking them. Mm. But if they are the hero, you will learn about you will learn about them. Yeah. And by the way, it is hard. The cool thing about this, though, it's so easy to separate yourself from the pack. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. doing this. You know, it, yeah. sales reps are lazy, most of them. They just like, well, this isn't, I want, I want people to call me and buy from me. I want to hold a yeah. bucket out of the window and catch money. Well, that's not going to work. It did work for certain companies in a certain period of time, but it doesn't work now. And, and so it's easy to separate yourself if you're willing to do the work. But this is the shift that's occurred, right? Like yes. I didn't agree with, I actually didn't agree with this statement when I heard it a few years back, but I've changed my opinion on it. I didn't agree that, yeah. you know, the seller had all the power because the buyer needed the information and now the information shift has occurred where the buyer's got all the information. They can just jump online. And yeah. It's it's Google is probably the best tool in the world if you want to do any research, right? So, and then you've got reviews and you've got podcasts. Now you've got LinkedIn and you've got all these places where you can actually do your due diligence and, and gather that research. So I didn't agree with that statement, but I have I have changed my view on it but yeah. now I'm in the camp of just because the buyer's got the information, now they've got too much information, right? Because they're like, mm -hmm. they okay. still need us. Exactly. And, but I think where the gap is, is that we, or not, you know, I'm, I'm talking about me because I'm a sales professional yeah. and I put myself into the category of all sales professionals. Yeah. But we as a profession aren't necessarily understanding how to help the buyer make sense of all that information. Like we haven't gone deep enough to say, right, let's actually put our, you know, um, walk in their shoes and go right. looking at it from their eyes and going, hang on, now I'm in their position, I'm on their whiteboard, I'm having right. these conversations because there was a great, you know, I love to quote these things because it just, it always brings it to life. But Jen Allen from the Challenger um, sale you know, revealed that their study, 39% of B2B decisions, um, of B2B engagements end up in no decision, right? They maintain the status quo. Yeah. And even when there's a compelling reason to take action, they can't get consensus, they can't get alignment, and ultimately they stay the same, right? Which means if we're, if we're that salesperson that's engaging with that organization, and we've helped them, like the VP of manufacturing that you spoke about, we help them, you know, speak to them, and like we've got a pressing problem yeah. Our default, our overall equipment effectiveness, whatever the, t the metric is not there. We need to because our cost of goods is going up, blah, blah, blah. But then they don't do anything. We failed yeah. that organization. As a sales professional, we've actually failed to help them fix a problem, right? Yeah. If they've decided that, you know what, it's just too hard, I'll stay the same. Well, I, I actually think of it even even with more uh, gravity, maybe that's a better way to say, or, or more work, or maybe another ele ele elevated to another level, is I don't even think that we should help them fix the problem. I think we should own the problem. <laughs> that's what yeah. I, th I think, you know, the way, the way I explain it to my customers all the time, I said, 
if you've, if you, so we obviously, we sell large training initiatives. You know, so, we, you know, you've got 500 sales reps and you want to change the way they sell. That's not a small thing to do. Yeah. And by the way, you're putting a party on when you train 500 sales reps, you're putting a party on for the 500 most vocal people in the company. And so yeah. this is, this better go well. Mm. I've done that hundreds of times in 35 <laughs> countries. How many yeah. times have you done it? Now, I wouldn't say yeah. that. But the reality is they may have done it once, twice, or never. Yeah. That's probably, it's either zero times, one time, or twice. I've done it hundreds of times. So who should own the problem? Yeah. I should, should lead the customer to the solution. We got to identify what the problem is. I'm better at identifying that than, than mm. they are. And then we should help them come up with the best solution for the problem. And I should be better at that versus you tell me what you need and I'll go get it. And this is where the challenger got yeah. it right. The sales reps that really know want to lead and own the problem, they have that challenger mindset because they they want to teach the customer the right thing to do. The problem with the challenger is I see it's not a really a problem, it's just a gap, is that if you have to the person has to be receptive for you to be a challenger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the, and, and so if you're challenging an unreceptive customer, you really tick them off. It goes yeah. south fast. And so there's an element of dimension to influence that you need to add to your repertoire, if you will, is the ability to create receptivity, which is not mm -hmm. about selling. Getting my daughter to listen to me about who she should date is a completely different skill set than teaching her, you know, is than selling her on which car to buy. So, so let's go there, right? Because yeah, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I, I, we're not again. When I read the book, The Challenger Sale, I, I didn't look at it where I was challenging my customer. I, it just challenged me in my thinking yeah. to go, well, how do I use insight to lead them to a point of aha, right? Good point. That yeah, I agree. completely agree with that. Yeah? yeah. That was my takeaway from it. I know some people yeah. hate the book, and but I, I actually think what you've, just, what you've, what you've um, brought up is really important. How do we get the buyer to be receptive yeah. to our new view or paradigm or thought mm -hmm. that we're trying to get across to them. Yeah. Well, like we were talking about the first thing is we got to get them to open the door. We got to get, yeah. we got them to invite us in. And so once we position the meeting, it's like, here's why I want to talk to you. And the first reason I want to talk to you is I'm going to talk about, we're going to focus on a problem that's on your whiteboard. And then we do need to share a disruptive truth to with them, this is the elevate. This is how to elevate you above Google yeah. is to share a disruptive truth. Challenger would call it an insight about how, how, why I know a better way to solve your problem. In other words, there's something you don't know that I know about a better yeah. way to solve your problem. And we need to drop a little teaser in there. Most people mm. think this, but actually this is true. Most people think you should do this, but actually this is true because I've been doing yeah. this a long time or we've been doing this a long time. We've got a lot of experience. And so we, we, we tease them with, and the tease is not a manipulative thing. It's just a principle, a stat, a, a truth that most people think this should happen, but we've figured out this should happen, which is not yeah. about our solution. It's just what we know. And then the last thing is we need to share something that we can do that's unique. So those are the three elements of how to position the meeting. Then when we get them to open the door and they say, okay, I'll talk to you about this. This is, the, this is where things really change is that instead of selling, we need to what I call take the trip. Anytime you're influencing somebody, there's always two polarized points of view, or it's not influence. When someone mm -hmm. already agrees with you and they just say, tell me what to do, that's not influence. That's, that's just education. That's just, hey, I'm looking to buy what you sell. Show me how to tell me what to buy. Yeah. That's just education. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But when somebody, when you're influencing, they have a polarized point of view. You're on the North Pole and you see one ways up and mm. they're on the South Pole and they see something completely different. That's influence. And so the best way to get them to change their point of view is to first, and this is where people just do not get this because it's so counterintuitive. Yep. We have to take the trip, leave our position, and go down to their point of view until we can validate their point of view and feed it back to them till they say exactly. And that's where the magic happens. And so when we can understand their point of view, feed it back to them, and they go exactly. Yeah. But you then know. that's when, because most people in discovery yeah. think of it as an exchange of information. Like sales reps think, oh, I want information so I can then say something. No. Discovery is about a connection at a deep level that tells yeah. people you care about them, you get them, and you validate their point of view. Mm. And our instincts tell us to argue. Yeah, that's really interesting. Actually, for me, that's kind of the highlight for this episode because in order, like what you're doing is saying, I'm going to put all my beliefs to the side for a moment. I'm going to put yes. my ego, which is a big one, to the side. And I'm, I'm, I want to hear, I actually want to not just hear, understand and validate your point of view. And then I can bring in a disruptive thought yeah. that allows you to think a little bit differently. For me, that's a really powerful takeaway, Tom. It's, uh, it's so hard to do. I mean, I, yeah. I was, at a, I was like taking a trip with friends and we, we started debating an idea during the week. It was one night late and I realized I didn't take the trip. I didn't do it. And yeah. we just, all we did was argue. <laughs> One person states their point of view, then you state your, and all you do is argue. So as soon as the argument begins, influence ends. And the hardest people to do it is the people that you love. But, but well, here's the truth. Until you set aside your agenda and listen to them, because listening mm -hmm. is not, again, about information. It's a statement of value. It's saying, I care and respect you enough until yep. I understand what's important to you and feed it back to you and when they say exactly when you say it says what you're saying is you feel this way that you don't need this solution because yep. or blah 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 or you have quit using our or you're not interested in this or you believe and they say exactly then that's Maybe. when that's magic i probably needed to hear this when my daughter was 16 because it probably would have saved me four years of arguments <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably yeah teenagers are <laughs> it's funny. It was easy for me to do this with my children, but very difficult for me to do it with my wife. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, mate, Tom, this has been awesome. I mean, I, I could probably, you know what, we could probably do a part two here because I think we're, we haven't even scratched the surface. Like for me, I've loved listening to this. I've got, I, I know when I've had a good episode when I'm, I've taken, you know, a whole, a whole page of notes on, on my phone well, and I'm you, like, Lisa. you know what, these are some things I need to go back on, back to. So I really appreciate you coming on, but before we let you go, where's the best place for our listeners to find you? And we will put a link to your book Thank you. in the show notes, but where is the best place for our listeners to find uh, and engage with you? Yeah, well, the, the, the best place to check out the book is unreceptivebook.com. There's a website okay. dedicated to the book. And then at aslantraining.com, if they want to check out the training that we provide. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn and it's awesome. Tom Stanfill on LinkedIn. So, uh, you know, love to connect in any of those ways. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Appreciate the support and uh, enjoy talking to a, a fellow uh, uh, fellow career uh, salesperson. Yeah, awesome. Tom, I just want to say, like, not just only thanks for coming on our podcast, but 
You've been training sellers for, for decades, mate. So thanks for the contribution you make to our community. I appreciate You're it. You're helping elevate the profession of sales, which is, which, is, which is fantastic. So thanks for everything that you do. Thanks, my friend.